Our today's reading is from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enduring the favour of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thanks, Tori. Good morning, everyone. Very nice to see you. Uh, let me add my welcome to Tim's. It's great to have you here at St. Stephen's this morning. Great that you can be with us, whether you're a regular or a visitor. Uh, it's lovely to have you on this uh, a communion service. Uh, this sermon's a little bit different. It, it, well, it's not that different, but um, I was just thinking the reading's quite short. It's a, top, it's a passage that I've actually preached on a, a couple of times in my nearly 11 years here at St. Uh, Stephen's, but never through, as we've been going through the book of Acts. We've always done it as a one-off. Uh, we haven't done it for a number of years. It's also odd because um, there's a lot of alliteration this morning. You know, I think it was Sesame Street that used to have, at the end of the episode, it used to say, this episode was brought to you by the letter J, or you know, something like that. This sermon was brought to you by the letters PC. Everything is PC in this. Uh, and the odd thing with that is I'm not really keen on PC. Most people, when we say PC, what do you think of? Political correctness. I'm not a big fan of political correctness. I think political correctness has done a good job. I think it probably springs out of uh, a recognition that sometimes we're unkind with the, the way that we speak and we don't think about the effects that it has on other people. But I, I worry that PC has kind of gone so far that now it's almost a, a stifling of freedom of expression and there are certain things you can't say because you're so worried about offending other people. Uh, the worst thing in the world seems to be offending other people. There's a problem with that if you're a Christian because the gospel message is offensive because the gospel message at its heart says there is a problem with the world and do you know what it is? It's you. Well, that's offensive. And do you know what? You can't fix the problem. You need God to help you fix the problem. Well, that's offensive. You're telling me I can't. The gospel is offensive. So uh, PC in this sense isn't, I hope, going to be offensive in that kind of way. What it means is we're looking at proper church this morning. PC, proper church, and each of my headings have a PC. I've been told this morning the pathfinders are in and have to take notes on the sermon. You're welcome, Pathfinders. It's all structured, all PC heading, so it's going to be easier. Let me pray and then we'll, um, we'll get into things. Heavenly Father, as we gather together this morning, uh, we come from different walks of life. We, go, we come having faced different circumstances and situations. And as we look at these words, in some ways this is a more mundane topic than we've been looking at over the last few weeks as we've seen Jesus ascend, as we've seen the Holy Spirit come down, as we've seen the beginning of the Apostles' ministry and some really exciting things. Today's much more mundane in some ways and yet so important. And I pray that despite the differences that we have this morning, you may speak to each of us by your Spirit, encouraging us, challenging us wherever we might need it, uh, building us up, um, I pray that you, we would come to a deeper love for you and a deeper understanding of how best to serve you in our present circumstances uh, at this time. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, as I said, we're thinking about church because that's what the reading was about in this section of Acts. And it's possible as a church to just do what you've always done. Uh, I think lots of people learn Christianity or church that way. We almost do it by osmosis. That's what I did at my church. That's what we do at our church without ever stopping to think about it deliberately or intentionally. And every now and then it's worth stopping and thinking about what should we focus on as a church? As a church family at St Stephen's, what should, where should our energies and priorities be? Are they where they should be? How are we going in this kind of area? Well, this morning it's a good time for us to do that because we see the first spirit-filled believers, the first New Testament church, if you like, and we see their focus, or foci, whatever. We see their priorities and as we look at what they focused on and put their energies and priorities in, we can have a look at ourselves and see where we stack up. Uh, last week, if you weren't, weren't with us last week or haven't been with us over these last few weeks, we've been doing this series on the book of Acts and we saw uh, a real highlight. We saw the day of Pentecost at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit down onto the believers, the Spirit filled the believers uh, and in many ways it was the birthday of the church. The first New Testament church was formed then. Then we saw that pre Peter preached Spirit came down, Peter preached, and he explained to the people there what was going on. It was bizarre things that was going on, and he explained it. And he took them back to the Old Testament prophet Joel and uh, explained how what was going on was what Joel had foretold. And he then focused on Jesus. It's Jesus that had made all the difference. And we're told, the last verse of our reading last week told us that about 3,000 people believed Peter's message and were baptised. So we've got all these people who've become Christians, spirits come down on them, they've believed the message, they've repented, and then we see verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers, dot, 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 dot. Here is the first group of spirit-filled Christians, the first church and I'd like to spend the next few minutes this morning looking at what they were like. Because it seems to me that although time goes on, although the world that you and I live in is very different from the world that they lived in, although we live in a different time and culture, our core identity and our core business as spirit-filled Christians and as a church doesn't change. Who we are doesn't change. We're children of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're spirit-filled Christians. And what we're about at a core doesn't change. Now, the methods may need tweaking because we live in a different age and um, from back there. Some of the methods uh, may, may vary depending on our context and our circumstances, but our core identity and our core activity won't. So let's look at them and then look at ourselves in the light of that. So we're going to look at proper content Remember the PCs, proper church? We're going to look at proper content first, followed by proper consequences. I was going to do proper characteristics as well as a third one, but it's communion. It's proper communion today. So I couldn't fit in a third one. We've got to, we've got to go faster. So we've got proper uh, content, then proper consequences. Let's have a think about proper content. What were the priorities of these first Christians, of this first church? What things did they devote themselves to? There it is, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There's either three things there or four things there. People disagree. As we go through it, I'll say where I kind of end up. But the first thing is, which isn't argued about, the church was a studying church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
hearing it, learning it, living it. This was their first priority. Learning their faith was their first concern. Very important point. A lot of Christians don't really carry on learning or they're worried that it's going to be too much mind and not enough heart and life, which is a fair concern to have, but that doesn't mean you cut out the mind or the learning. These first believers, of course, didn't have the New Testament like you and I did. They had the apostles who, by the power of the Holy Spirit, taught them about Jesus in truth and righteousness. We're the reverse today. We don't have the apostles, but we have their teaching in the New Testament. We have the scriptures. And that's how we know who God is and what he's like, what he wants from us, what he's done for us in Jesus and how we should live in the light of it. All of this comes from the apostles' teaching through the scriptures. And this is why it's a non-negotiable. We must be a studying church. Absolutely essential. And we must study the apostles. Apostolic succession, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, apostolic succession in the right sense is not about a link of leaders who've had their, their hands laid on tracing all the way back to Peter. An apostolic church, an apostolic succession is churches who follow the teaching of the apostles. That's what it is. And I think this whole area of being a studying, teaching church, and it's why I'm probably speaking about it more passionately than I, I might do because it's a fairly mundane topic, I worry that a dumbing down in Christianity has occurred over recent years. And we've lowered the bar. I think we've done it in education generally. I probably shouldn't say anything because I'll get off topic. But uh, I remember, no, I will say one thing about it. A couple of years ago we had Vaughan Roberts out here to speak at the uh, FCA conference and he spoke about he thinks today is the iWorld. He thought Steve Jobs and Apple had it really well when they marketed the iPad, the iPod, the iPhone. It's all about I, I, I. I think we've done that with education at the moment. It's all about the student says what they want to learn and how they want to learn and what they'll... And there's some good to that. There's some correction of just being spoon-fed and told what you should learn. But there's some problems with it too. There's a reason why six-year-olds don't rule the world. They don't know what's best for themselves. There's something good about older people, wiser people saying, you need to learn this. It's not just... And we've dumbed down education, I think, in a number of ways. I fear we've done the same thing in the church. We've dumbed down learning. We we want it... We've dumbed down politics. Here's another one I should stay off. (laughs) It's just about the phrase. It's just about the snippet. It's not about content. And we've dumbed it down to little slogans or three words or five words or whatever else it may be and and kind of and that's all we want to know. We don't really want to think too much about it. Christianity's different. You can't dumb down Christianity. We could spend the rest of our human lives thinking about who God is and what He's done. We won't get there, but we keep pushing because the more we know who He is and what He's done, the greater we rejoice, the better life is, all those sorts of things. Are we devoted to the apostles' teaching? So often today, Bible teaching and study is relegated to a a minor part of church services or activities. And so I want to ask us this morning, do we have a hunger uh, of a depth of engagement with the Lord? Do we wrestle with his word and want to think it through and and learn from it? Or is it just a task, a slot in the service that we we wait to get over with or uh, to get it over with in our our daily lives? Uh, The other Difficulty, I think, sometimes in this space is a lot of Bible studies or sermons or or, um, Bible study can often have little of the apostles' teaching and more of just our ideas and thoughts. And and that's one of the glories of doing it together as we hear different ways of thinking about it and discussing it. That's a a benefit, but we want to hear the apostles' teaching because that's what God's given us. 
Friends, we must study the scriptures as a church. Um, And we must do that so that people know in their heads when their hearts are really restless. When they're going through difficulties in life and they're feeling God's far from me or I don't know what God's doing, they're still able to go in their head, I know God loves me and I know he's got a promise for me. That, that importance of having it in your head as well as your heart. And please don't mishear me. I'm not saying the heart's not important, but we need it in the head for a reason. We must be a studying church. Uh, not just glance at things occasionally or squeeze it into other. It's got to be part and parcel of, of who we are. So, studying. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Do we? Secondly, see what they devoted themselves to? They were a fellowshipping church. They devoted themselves to each other. Here's recognition that as Christians, through what Jesus has done, we're family. I hope you think of it as that. Have a look round. Everyone have a look round just for a second. We are family. Pick someone you like. Uh, Someone that you... Because sometimes you go, really, we're family? No, we're family. We are sons and daughters of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are fellow spirit-filled Christians and we should be devoted to each other. And this isn't just selfish. Jesus says, doesn't it, by this will all men know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He's speaking to the way the disciples love each other is a wonderful witness to the world of the love of God in Christ Jesus. But when it says here that they devoted themselves to the fellowship, it says that they devoted themselves to each other. And you can see that devotion flow out in the rest of the verses there. They shared with each other extravagant generosity. They spent time with one another. They cared for one another. They were one in Christ and they demonstrated that at a daily level. Friends, the Christian walk is hard and lonely. Sometimes we don't teach, we teach that here, it's hard and lonely. Jesus said that his followers had to take up their cross and follow him. It's difficult. The Bible says explicitly that I, to carry on in my Christian walk, need you to spur me on to love and good deeds. And you need me to do it. We need each other. There is no Christian in isolation. We need fellowship. And that means us deliberately, intentionally devoting ourselves to each other. Now, I also think that in verse 42, where it says they were devoted to the breaking of bread, that too comes under this heading of fellowship. Because people argue here over whether the breaking of bread is just meals, having meals together, or whether it's the Lord's Supper, which we're about to, to share this morning. I don't think it matters. Either way, whether it's the, just having meals or sharing the Lord's Supper, it comes under fellowship. Sharing meals is obviously fellowship. Uh, If you've never thought about table fellowship uh, through the scriptures, have a think about it. It's an incredible theme running through it. But even the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is the symbol of our fellowship. In a few moments, we're going to say the words, we are all one body, for we all share the one bread. It's in the cross that we find our fellowship. It's as we share the Lord's Supper, we celebrate this. And so this morning, I ask you, asking myself as well, Are you devoted to the fellowship? Who are you devoted to? Who are you praying for, loving, looking after, encouraging, rebuking, challenging, seeking to change at the moment? And I point this out because we we live in a very selfish culture at the moment. Very selfish where it becomes about what I can get out of it. Church is, well, what can I get out of it? Yeah, it doesn't, I don't like that music or I don't actually like that stuff. It's all about what I can get out of it. But we should be the exact opposite. How can I serve? 
What can I give to other people? I've said this before, but church is a terrible place if everyone drives up to Shirley Intermediate on a Sunday going, I hope people are going to be good to me this morning. I hope someone comes and speaks to me this morning. I hope someone encourages me this morning. It's a very different place if we arrive praying, God, please give me an opportunity to be a blessing to someone. Please give me open eyes and ears so that I can see if there's someone struggling and I can encourage them or, or, or have a conversation with them. Changes the whole attitude. And I've said this before as well, but St. Stephen's has got a great way to do that here because I was going to say we're all different ages and sta- all the kids are out so we can't see it at the moment, but we're, all the ages, different ages and stages of life is a blessing when you're devoted to the fellowship. It's very hard to complain uh, in, a, in an inappropriate way because there's an appropriate way to complain. Very hard to complain in an inappropriate way as a young adult whose biggest stress in life uh, is the upcoming exam when you're sitting in a small group with someone who's dying. It changes the perspective. And yet the benefit can flow both ways. Because the person who's struggling with their own life sees uh, other life continuing to flourish and go on. It, 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 it changes in every way. But the fellowship should be fundamental to how we look after each other and love each other and, and we've got a great opportunity to do it here. Seeking advice. Church fellowship should be a wonderful blessing. And I want to challenge you again, if you're thinking right now, well, it's not, because I don't feel like people are looking after it, just change your mindset again and set the example to them. Don't just complain. You can complain because we want to get better at this and we want to, we're here when we're not doing a good job and things, but I also want to encourage you to change your mindset and go, well, let me set an example to others. No one's invited me around for, for lunch for three weeks. Will you invite someone around for lunch? No one's come up and spoken to me and asked me how. Well, you go and ask them. And set the example and watch it catch on like wildfire because we know as Christians that that's how we should be doing it. They devoted themselves to uh, the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Third thing in terms of proper content, they, they devoted themselves to the prayers. Vital. It's the way that God has ordained for us to, uh, us to be, to ask him to be at work. And we can do nothing without the work of the Lord. Our best plans, our best strategies, our best goals and aims and vision statements and structures amount to less than dust without God being at work in them. And so we need to pray. That's how hearts are changed and lives are redirected. And, and so again, let's examine ourselves. Do we pray? Do we pray individually? Do we pray as a church? I was going to kind of say we've got a prayer meeting, a quarterly prayer meeting coming up in two weeks. Well, let's see. Uh, but actually the last prayer meeting, there was nearly 50 people there. That's a great encouraging sign. That many people gathering to pray for the same thing, to plead with the Lord, to be at work. Um, prayer demonstrates our trust in God and our reliance on him. Are we a praying church? Do we devote ourselves to the prayers as we should? So that's the proper content. Do you see that? They, were, they devoted themselves to teaching, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to loving each other, to the prayers. Now at this point, as I said, I would normally look at proper characteristics of the early church and there's three kind of key ones here. I'll just mention them even though I'm not looking at them. Firstly, a proper characteristic, it had awe and miracles. Verse 42, if the Spirit's at work, you will have awe and miracles in a church. Uh, Nextly, it's characterised by extravagant generosity. Do you see the way they gave and shared and verses 44 to 45, incredible what they did. 
Uh, And thirdly, it had joy. Joy was uh, one of the characteristics of the church. But because of proper communion, we can't go into the proper characteristics. So I want to finish with the proper consequences. And we get two of them in the last couple of verses. Verse 47, we see the early believers, this first church, had wonderful results. First, they were an attractive church. Verse 47, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. I don't think that's just the goodwill of the church themselves. That's the goodwill of the community around them. Wouldn't that be fantastic if New Zealand loved churches because churches were attractive? I don't think we have that. Uh, We're not seen in that way anymore. But that was one of their their consequences. They were an attractive church. And secondly, they were a growing church, verse 47. And day by day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Again, we hear a lot today about churches declining, and we can forget that here, but it's true. What you wouldn't give to be a growing church. They were attractive, they were growing. That's the picture of the proper church from Acts, and what a tremendous picture it is. That's the model that we have as we reflect on who we are and how we operate. But I want to finish with a a slight warning. There's a danger for us, I think, in this. And the danger is we all want the consequences. We all want the results. In other words, we want to be an attractive church and we want to be a growing church. Is that a good aim to have? Yep, I think so. If we, if we, we, we want it to be uh, looking good to the outsiders so they want to join, we want it to be growing because it means more people know Jesus and are growing in their faith with him. I think it's a good desire to want to be an attractive church and a growing church. But often we attempt to do it the wrong way. There's all sorts of ways we can make ourselves an attractive church to the outsiders. Number one would be to change the offensive gospel message that I spoke about at the beginning. People don't want to hear they're the problem, so let's say something else. Uh, Jesus will make you happier in life. That's less offensive. So let's change the message and then we'll be more attractive. And we change it often in true things, but not the heart of it. Jesus didn't do that. Take up your cross and follow me. He told the hard part as well as the good part. We've got to make sure. But can you see what we want to be attractive, so how do we make ourselves more attractive? We do it by changing the message or by cutting out the bits that uh, won't be as attractive to the rest of the world rather than what's faithful to the Lord. Or we can. how do we grow? We want to get more people in here. I could get more people in here. I could give $50 to every person who comes through the doors and we will grow. I guarantee that. Is that the right kind of growth? Or you leave out the boring bits that no one wants to kind of do. Or you, do you know what I mean? You can do it in the wrong way. But that's to look at the proper consequences without the proper content that we began with. But it's the proper content that ensures the proper characteristics and the proper consequences. I'm so sick of saying proper. I'm finding it very difficult. It's got to be attractive for the right reasons. The growth's got to be genuine growth so that it lasts, not the weeds that grow up for a bit and die off. The example of the church here in Acts, it was their input that directly influenced the outcome. What they did, what they focused on, what they devoted themselves to led to what they became. We want to be an attractive and a growing church. And I think we are, but we want it more and more, don't we? It will come when we've got proper content, when we devote ourselves to studying the Lord, devote ourselves to the Word and seeing who He is and what He's done, when we devote ourselves genuinely and sacrificially to each other and we look after each other and we build each other up and people look in and go, oh my goodness, I want to be part of that. 
when we devote ourselves to prayer, recognising that under our own steam and effort we can do nothing, it's only when we come before him on our knees. That's what we need to do if we want to be attractive and grow in the right way. Christian ministry is not rocket science. Thank goodness. We can get overcomplicated with it or too worldly with it where it becomes about the latest strategy or package or personality or vision statement or goal. We can become like a business. But in the end, even the reading says, God added to their number daily. God takes care of the consequences. They didn't ensure that it grew. What they ensured was they devoted themselves to the right things. Will we? I think it's quite a timely, this was not planned, <laughs> as nothing is here, but um, it wasn't planned, but the Commitment Sunday packs went out last week to our regulars. A time to stop life, normal life, to look at the season of life that you're in and recognise that there's wisdom sometimes to stopping doing certain things and starting doing certain things. That's a good th- I'd never heard of that before I came to St Stephen's. I inherited that thing. I think it's an excellent thing. Because every now in life you have to do that. You have to stop and assess where you are and where you're going and what you've been doing and there will be some things you need to stop and some things you need to start. Some things you need to pull away from, some things you need to intentionally do. This morning I'm asking us to think about how we're doing as a church, individually and collectively, in this area. Are we learning? Are we devoting ourselves to the Apostles' teaching? Genuinely growing in our understanding or have we stagnated? Have we kind of, we, there was a time in our lives when we were kind of passionate about that, but we've pulled back. There may be a need to, to reinvigorate ourselves, to meet up with someone, to read a book or spend some time, but to, to get back to learning. Are we devoted to each other? Or have we become a little bit more isolated and selfish as we've got older? Are we, do we genuinely know what other people in our church fellowship are going through so that we can help them in an appropriate way, not just to make ourselves feel better because we've done something? Does, part of, does being part of St. Stephen's bring blessing? Are we blessing others in that way? And are we praying? Do we know to take it to the Lord in prayer? Realise that we need him to be at work. And we do that naturally and regularly and willingly. What changes will we make to our routines or our schedules, our lives? If our priorities or energies need to change, this is a good time to think about it. We've seen what the first spirit-filled Christians, the first church did. How do we stack up? I'm going to take a moment in silence for us to think about that and then I'll lead us in, in prayer. But let's take a moment to think about it. Heavenly Father, as we've um, had this opportunity this morning to look back and look at this first group of spirit-filled believers, this first New Testament church, we thank you for the opportunity to see what they did, what they devoted themselves to, what you did in them and through them and amongst them. And I pray that you would help us as we examine ourselves individually and collectively as a church family here at St. Stephen's. Father, there may be some of us who need to devote ourselves more fully to the Apostles' teaching. We've lost that hunger. We've stagnated in some way. I pray, Lord, that each of us would be eager to learn more of you because the better we know you, uh, the more glorious life is, the more assurance we have of the future. Not just sound bites, but the depth, 
Give us that hunger. And if there are ways that we need to change in our lives to, to make that happen, give us wisdom to know how to do it. Father, give us a love for one another that, that expresses itself in genuine self-sacrificing uh, love that may put us out but is actually for the good of others. Father, I pray that you would help us uh, receive and give love like that. Give us a desire for it. Give us wisdom to know how to do it so that we're not doing it in actually an unhelpful way but the best way possible. But I pray that we would be a blessing to each other in this church family. And Father, help us be people of prayer. Forgive us for those times when we think we can do it ourselves, when we, uh, we forget to come humbly under you. Father, help us be a people in a church of prayer on our knees before you, pleading with you to be at work and doing your work. Lord, please help us as we think through these things now uh, and in the days to come. And if there's ways that we need to change, stop doing certain things, start doing certain things, give us the wisdom and the desire to do it. And we ask all of this for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen.